Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Epic Human Podcast. I am your host, Joe Blair, uh, and thanks for listening today. On this episode of the Epic Human Podcast, we are going to have a conversation with Andrew Burns. Andrew is a venture capital investor at Comet Labs, which is an AI and intelligent machines-focused seed investor based here in San Francisco. He is a former cleantech startup founder, a high school teacher, a marketing exec, a wildcatter, and we'll talk about what wildcatting actually is, uh, fiction author, sushi roller, and local TV show personality. In this podcast, Andrew walks us through his non-traditional career path and life path with stories that range from the dramatic and painful to the hilarious and bizarre. Uh, Andrew has this unique combination of humility, confidence, and authenticity. You get the sense that he's really just an open book, and wow, is that refreshing. For example, shortly after we first met, I asked him if he might maybe want to do a podcast, and his answer was unequivocally, yes, let's do this. Uh, No hesitation, no fear, uh, and it's because he's been, I'll call incubating courage his entire life. Uh, through a diverse set of experiences. And now he helps incubate startup companies and help the founders develop their own courage to build meaningful businesses that have the potential to disrupt huge industries. I really had fun with this one, as you could tell. So without further delay, please welcome an epic human, Andrew Burns. We are live with Andrew Burns, and we're coming at you from Comet Labs on Market Street. Hey, Andrew, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good. Happy to be here. Thanks for hosting me here. No. Nice to have you at our offices. Excellent. And yeah, excited to be on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to have you. So uh, we're going to talk all about Comet Labs and the amazing companies you invest in. Uh, but first, we want to focus in on Andrew Burns. Uh, we want to hear all about you. So why don't you tell me just from the beginning, uh, where did you grow up? What was the beginning of your life like? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell like the accelerated version. Um, I was born in Napa, wine country. Okay. Um, moved to Alamo and then my house burned down when I was four. And my family was rescued by our pet collie. And so my earliest memory is actually seeing the newspapers uh, about our house burning down. Um, and then Whoa. from there, yeah, pretty epic. That's incredible. Uh, Alamo, and, Texas? No, Alamo, right across the bay here. Oh, oh um, by, okay. By Danville. Oh, my goodness. East Bay. How did it start? Um, uh, lit, like cleaned out a fireplace in a, plas- in a paper bag, like put the ashes in a paper bag. Uh. Dog tipped the trash can. It lit some gasoline <laughs> under a car in the garage. Dog jumped out of a window, broke a window, jumped out of the window, ran around and woke up my parents, and then they grabbed us uh, oh from the bed, and like we ran out of the house as it was burning. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And you remember it? Yeah. And, and being named Andy Burns and growing up with that in my background <laughs> was a lot, of, a lot of torment through my, my, my growing up years in, in Tucson, Arizona. Um, wait, wait, but real quick. So the dog started the fire and saved you from the fire. Yeah, so. that dog. <laughs> that lovely dog. Yeah. 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 She, she started the fire and ended the, and saved the family. Wow. Um, she, made know, it, you, she made up for it. You got to do what you can. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So the, so so you remember that that was your earliest memory, and then and then you you talked about Arizona. So yep. Walk us through. So like moved to Arizona um, and went to all my school there. Mm-hmm. Um, everything up through up through through the end of undergrad. Mm. Um, yeah, and just just grew up. Um, initially, I was like a like a like a fat kid. Um, I was really overweight. I weighed more um, when I was thirteen than I do now. No. Yeah. Really. That's, that's a cool fact. Wow. Um, and then like uh, yeah, one day I was on a bus going to school and this girl I liked said, man, if anybody has a six pack, I'd make out with them. I think I was in eighth grade. Um, and so right there I was just like, yeah, I'm going to make that happen. Um, and <laughs> wow. so over the course of the year, I like, I, I lost all my weight. I wrestled, I joined the football team. Um, and I lost like tons of weight. Wow. And, and then at the end of the year party, um, I went swimming and, uh, showed everybody my new awesome body and the girl didn't like me um <laughs> the six-pack didn't cut it it, it it just does it doesn't cut it didn't cut it didn't mean anything at the end of the day um you, so that so real quick before we move on that um how do you think that impacted you just in terms of your i mean you come across as a very humble person empathic person do you think that has anything to do with kind of your 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 perspective on interacting with people understanding where people are coming from i don't i don't know maybe like it, it's I've, I've thought about like those instances in my life for a lot of years like kind of the cringeworthy instances yeah um and you look at them with like without regret um because i have i have too many instances like that in my background where where you could be embarrassed and regretful because <laughs> um, whatever like i think by nature you know I, I founded a company um a couple years back and so like definitely like always been like a like a risk taker mm-hmm. um, and just kind of being willing to try things yeah um, and kind of whatever the whim is but yeah like empathy is I, I think one of the lessons that that you learn early on yeah. um, hopefully yeah um, and I think that was one of them was like empathy for the embarrassed teenage adolescent yeah boy yeah. in us all yeah I'm sure I'm <laughs> sure no I, I think that's a common thing and most kids go through kind of an awkward stage whether it's too big, too little, too tall, too short, whatever sure. it is. Um, but uh, but I've I've noticed a theme, particularly with people who are kind of naturally uh, you know overweight as as kids who have that. Um, so anyway, we're getting back to Arizona. You went there for undergrad. Yep. You went to University of Arizona. I went to the University of Arizona. And what'd you study there? Um, biochemistry and creative writing. Okay, so that yeah. I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Tell me tell me about the those two sides of your brain and how you ended up oh. majoring in both of those. Things. Yeah, right. It, again, like kind of floating in the wind. Um, so I was a big cross country runner um, and actually walked on to the team at U of A. Um, wow. And ran for one and a half years and then both my knees blew up. Um, but <laughs> that's another story. Um, the I mean, yeah, it's like all these silly things. Um, so my cross country coach in high school um, was a was a MD and kind of a mentor uh, for mm-hmm. me, um, and he studied biochemistry and he recommended it. And so I started with that. Um, I was going to graduate in two years, and I was like the most immature, immature, you know, sophomore um, on all of University of Arizona campus. Uh, so so I, I like I had to take a second degree um because i didn't want to leave uh and i totally wasn't ready <laughs> and so i so i you know i liked writing s- silly little stories and um and so i so i took creative writing and uh, that extended out my to to like a traditional four-year program um and yeah after i 
after graduating, I actually spent like three years just like bumming around the country and writing books. So I, I absolutely want to ask you about that. I got that on my list. But uh, you, you mentioned before the podcast that you had a story oh, yeah. about it. You're, you're not new to, to broadcasting. No, no. Um, one of my one of my for a couple of years, uh, a buddy and I, we, we had a public access TV show um, in Tucson called the Jet Guido and Andy Burns show. Um, really original name. And yeah, I spent like two years every I think it was every Wednesday night going to the public access TV station and just broadcasting live um, for, for I think it was 45 minutes, like whatever we wanted to do. Um, Did you play music or you just talked? Or no, like every week was different, right? We usually, we usually came as like different characters. Um, like one, one time we dressed up like robots, we wrapped ourselves in tinfoil and <laughs> I think I was a pirate robot um, and, and he was like a pornographic robot. Um, another time, like my favorite one ever, can I swear? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll keep it light. Um, <laughs> we, we, we put on like, so it was like a half hour, 45 minute long show. Um, and we, one day we said, okay, let's, let's go on. And, uh, do you remember the song? Uh, it was from South Park, the movie. Um, I watched that movie. Yeah. And the song was called, uh, uncle effer. Yeah. You remember that yeah, song? Yeah. It was like oh, a, a the, the Canadian. No, uh, no, no. It was shut your. Yeah, the Canadian guys, Terrence and Phillips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, shut your effing face, Uncle Effer. Um, there, I'm not swearing. Um, <laughs> so we put that song on repeat, and we wore like, I think it was 15 layers of clothes. Um, didn't say a word the whole time, <laughs> and every. T- <laughs> and so, so initially, we just stood in front of the camera and stared and didn't move. Um, after the first repeat, we took off the top layer of clothes, and then it played again, and we moved a little bit more. Um, so by like the, the, whatever, the 15th time we were in our boxers, like sprinting around the room, like basically in seizures, um, <laughs> just repeating this, this really, uh, aggressively obnoxious song. Um, and then at the end of it, and it was just me and him in the studio and it was live. So we didn't really know like what was happening, um, until we walked out to leave the building and there was a line of like 10 people just screaming at the station manager. Like these guys should be on the air. Like, how could you do this? There they are. And they're, they're like, they, we just ran to our car and drove off. Holy, um, holy, yeah, whoa. that was that was great. That's um, insane. So it was audio and vi- video. Oh yeah, so no, it was, it was live TV. Oh wow, um, that's insane. But yeah, like that one got us some street cred, and like we were famous. Like people would recognize us. Um, I was I was a busser in a restaurant, and and like every night someone would recognize me, and. Um, that was my that was my taste of fame. That, that was that was awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. That, thanks for sharing. Good that. times. Uh, and so and so then you you graduate with these two degrees, and then you mentioned you went right into uh, becoming an author. Yeah. Were, were you kind of on the fence at that point? Like, do I want to approach you know writing versus biochem? No. So so yeah, I was I was pre med, and oh. I did like the the med school s- stuff. I what, what's the. Um, MCAT? The MCAT. Yeah. I took it twice. Um, got the same score both times. Um, and then like did a bunch of applications. Went to Hawaii. And I was uh, like in the year between. Um, mm. And I was a sushi roller in a nightclub in Honolulu. Um, and then I grew up my hair really long and dyed it blonde. And came back to all my med school interviews like wearing an Aloha shirt <laughs> with this huge blonde hair. Um, and yeah, I didn't get into medical school. Um, and I took that as like, a, okay, maybe I'm not cut out for medicine. Um, so yeah, I spent three years um, like writing books. I wrote three fiction books that have never been published. Um, I think the third one is the best one. And cool. 
But yeah, it was just kind of a... What were they about? Oh, gosh. The first one was about like border politics and religion. Um, and you can imagine how good that was. Um, uh, the, the second one I wrote, um, and I wrote that, so I wrote that one in Hawaii. Uh-huh. And then s- second one um, I wrote in South Florida. Um, I, met, I met this chick in Hawaii, and, um, and then she left two months later to go to Telluride. And I actually, I, I went to Telluride to meet her. Um, without telling her, mm. um, and the chick became my wife. Oh, um, okay. And, and then we bounced around the country a lot together. Um, so that was my big lifetime romantic gesture was meeting her her, her at the airport in Telluride. Was she surprised? Oh yeah, yeah. A little bit mad. Creeped out? Uh, or? Yeah, she, totally. <laughs> and then yeah, like, like I'll I'll never forget it. Like two weeks after that, we're walking down the street in Telluride, um, like no money, like living in this awful, <clears throat> awful bedroom in a house. Um, and, um, and the conversation started going about like, yeah, I really like you. I moved here uh, for you. And she goes, yeah, I think that's really cool. But uh, I just don't see a future. Mm. Um, yeah, and that was, that was like 14 years ago. So <laughs> and you're like, I'll show you. That's right, I'll show you, <laughs> Patty. Uh, yeah, and, and so anyway, so, so then we moved to South Florida, um, like on a whim. I, I, again, I don't know how we got there. Um, lasted a month in Miami Beach before we had to like retreat to Fort Lauderdale, mm. um, and South Florida was definitely, definitely like the weirdest place I've ever been. Really, um, like so far as people and the culture and the community, like tons of fun, mm. um, but very different than uh, growing up kind of like West Coast Arizona California. Yeah, and so I wrote a book about um, that. Mm. Uh, it was a story about a a guy who um, has kind of a like a melt like a mental breakdown and one night he uh he looks through back when people had phone books um, so i'm dating myself <laughs> yeah. right here um but he was looking through the yellow the white pages right right um and he to find his name because he was like oh where am i and there was five other people with the same name as him in in like the miami area mm. so he found like he he went to meet all of them and um ended up like having a a relationship with with one of the other guys that has the same name oh. um so that was that one Cool. That was number two. That was number two. Okay. And then the third. Sorry. Then the third one I actually wrote after, like, way later, after I worked in uh, clean tech. Okay. For a while. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and I got, and then clean tech industry like blew up in two thousand nine. Yeah, we'll get there. But uh, uh, so you, so you did the second book. You're in Florida, yeah. and then what? Uh, and then moved to, moved to Colorado. Mm. Um, Where? Boulder. Yeah. And awesome. yeah, which was which was amazing. And I moved there with this marketing gig. I was writing a website content. <laughs> and so yeah, so like as as writers, you, you get into like weird situations uh, because it's hard to make money. And I was writing uh, like really spammy websites for online mortgages and payday loans wow. um, for this company in South Florida. That was another really big learning experience. Like. Mm. Um, and, and why, like, I, I, I work in clean tech and impact. <laughs> uh, like, I did spend, like, a year and a half working in this, in this industry where it was, like, very, like, yeah, very bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and not, not a very nice place to, to be. Unscrupulous. Um, yeah. Kind of taking advantage of people yep. in a way. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, just I was, I was writing uh, the websites for it okay um for this like it was it was an seo company yeah um so yeah i wrote i wrote one called the mortgage pirate and it was a pirate theme website about mortgages 
Um, I, I, I co-wrote with this awesome, this like world famous, I, I think he's world famous now. He was on the team that did the Breakfast with the King, Burger King commercials. Oh yeah. But this was his first marketing gig, his name was Craig. Um, and, and we wrote a, a, a website called Lone Me Tender. Um, and it was an Elvis themed website about uh, payday loans. <laughs> and every page was uh, like, it was a parody of a different Elvis song. Like it was, right, so like you, you, we had a lot of fun with it. But anyways, I moved to Boulder with that. Yeah. Um, and then that was like the, this, it was like the, the rising tide of wind energy. Right. Um, so like the mid 2000s, like late 2000s, like 2006. 2006, okay. Around. Yeah. Um, and got a job with a wildcatter um, out in Boulder, like just doing like wildcat land leasing and like way early stage development uh around like four corners in texas so maybe explain what wildcatting is yeah wildcatting i mean it's really just like going out and like scooping up a bunch of land leases Mm -hmm. right so nrel or whatever these national labs would have a wind map like a general wind map and you you know you're a bunch of dudes with some with some cash and a dream to build wind projects you don't really know much of what you're doing Mm -hmm. uh, but you do know how to go out and talk to people like right. these big landowners and say, hey, you have this site. I think there's wind on it. I'd like to do this land lease. Is this the same thing that uh, people used to do in oil and gas? Yeah, like very much. Okay. And solar. I mean, okay. like, and that was what, like, my, I actually got away from wildcatting and more into, like, the later stage development. Yeah, yeah. But, like, but that, that's what you, they used to call, like, a land guy. Like, yeah, little, like land, land guys. guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Kinda. Wildcatting. I haven't heard that. Yeah, okay. wildcatting. So, so you were doing wildcatting so we in do- Boulder? Out of Boulder? Out of Boulder. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, Moved from there to a company called Renewable Choice, um, doing like carbon offsets mm-hmm. and uh, renewable energy credit stuff. Um, and that's when I started talking to a bunch of utilities mm-hmm. um, about their like clean energy programs um, and stuff like that. Because we were one of the first ones actually going out to utilities to try to buy them. Uh, we were buying the, those recs and carbon offsets for uh, like consumer markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got poached from there to, to work with a, like a more formal um wind and solar developer uh, called the Martifer Group, uh, which is a big Portuguese um, company that was that was really active um, in the late 2000s. Also in Boulder? No, that was in San Diego. And wow. so picked up. Oh, yeah, you're, man. You're on the move, man. I haven't lived in one place. <laughs> like, Bay Area is definitely the longest one that I've lived <laughs> in um, since, since leaving Tucson. Uh, yeah. Rolling Stone, man. Very, very cool. So, so then you're in San Diego doing... Yeah, doing wind and solar development, development um, right. in finance, right? So, so I, I, I just started learning spreadsheets and got taught by a bunch of old oil and gas guys um, who were just like spreadsheet wizards. Yeah. And so I became like this financial analyst uh, for, for wind energy um, and, and got pretty good at it. Um, and also like negotiating uh, like turbine purchase agreements and... Um, uh, like offtake agreements with uh, like utilities like PG&E. Um, nego- like we did a couple of those. Like and I talked with most of the utilities in Texas. Uh, never got one, uh, but but mm. learned a lot about wholesale mm. markets yeah. um, and and hedge agreements and and kind of the nightmare that that's like grown into. Not nightmare, but like really interesting dynamics on the pricing for wind energy in Texas, um, where like the, um, right there, right, they they sell the energy at a loss. Um, because of the, the value of the tax right. uh, actually brings them up to positive, um, right? Like those types of things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so, and we also started building solar um, and uh, our projects initially were solar thermal 
um, and we were doing some of the bigger, sol- like a big solar thermal development in uh, the Central Valley of California, mm-hmm. and that was one of our projects. Um, and yeah, like I was in this in this room with a bunch of bankers and um, lawyers and land developers talking about, well, the cost of like what about photovoltaic? Yeah. Um, and like I'll never forget being in this room and. Um, and we were all talking about PV photovoltaics as, a, as an option, as an alternative to uh, the solar thermal. Right. Um, right. And we were looking at it from a, from a financial spreadsheet basis. Um, and the question came, and we were looking, okay, like, let's, let's think about that. There's cost downs in all these different technologies. Um, you have these new startups coming up in the Valley that are working on, on even newer solar technologies, like newer, better, greater. Um, what's the difference? Like, what's the difference between... Um, Silicon, silicon A, silicon B, silicon C, um, thin film A, thin film B. Um, like, like how do we how do we do this? And they were like, well, it, it's just the, the dollar per watt. Um, and, and I was like, no, like we need to understand what the difference is. And and right, and we were talking about like multi billion dollar developments, and no one in this room of like twenty people like knew anything about solar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that's when I started looking at solar, mm-hmm. um, and then. Um, the, the crash of in, in energy of like 2009, 2010, um, my company ceased to exist. That's another interesting story. Um, yeah. And, and what was that transition like for you going from being a writer to and, and SEO kind of marketing all the way over to more scientific engineering yeah. fi- finance like sure was yeah that? I mean was it was it more just a matter of necessity or was it was it also uh, somewhat directed by you and no kind of like references no. so definitely it was it, it, I, I really I, I fell in love with renewables mm-hmm. um, like my first job was as a marketing writer in renewables and within a month I was doing like more more like project siting and engineering work yeah because uh, whatever like some level of math background right um uh, so, so really it was, it was more about like really being, um, just like psyched about su- like sustainable energy. Yeah. Um, and, and also like being excited about a, like a transformation of a really large industry into, into a new way of operation. Uh, that, that those were the things that I like really fell in love with. Um, again, like it was one of those, it was one of those boom cycles in energy where it was like the, the ride was really steep. Um, and it was, it was really exciting for a couple of years and I got directed towards the finance um, just because I was like hanging on and that was, that was my position, um, in life. But, but again, like when, in those meetings and I started digging into the solar technologies, um, and then, uh, when my company, uh, like evaporated, mm-hmm. um, and I got a job as a, I was a high school, um, chemistry and geometry teacher for a couple of years. Um, and during that wow. time I was also like doing a deeper dive into, into solar and battery technologies, just kind of like self-guided. Hmm. Um, research and uh, like went and started talking to professors around California about their research um, and then uh, applied to a bunch of schools who were doing like really cool stuff in uh, in solar uh, materials for yeah for, for a graduate program and got into Stanford and um, and then that was like that was a big life pivot sure. um, was was come back to like do a deep dive into semiconductor physics and um, but with a big focus on solar and battery technologies hmm. um, yeah, like one of the most interesting decisions I've made in my life. Um, wow, so you went from, man, this is really interesting. So <laughs> write, writer to marketing to 
renewable finance, project development, land guy, to high school teacher, mm -hmm. to Stanford graduate school. That's, <laughs> that's pretty wild. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Right? yeah. No, and, and yeah, it gets, I mean, it's, it, and then yeah, when I started it, when I started here, right, I still had this like finance, when I started at Stanford, yeah. I still had this like finance bent and I was in this really hardcore science thing. And that, that's kind of a theme in my life is, you know, very like multi, like different hemispheres of my brain, like yeah. needing kind of to like each, each eat a lot. Yeah. Um, right. Your more creative side and your more analytic side. Sure. Um, and like in grad school, I got caught in this thing of like, like looking at like really more like, like physics mm -hmm. and a lot of math um, and, and, and that type of universe. Right. And I, I started like lusting after the simplicity of a spreadsheet. <laughs> um, and so, so I, I right across the street here on the other side of third, um, I worked for a couple of years during grad school at a, the California Clean Energy Fund, mm -hmm. um, like doing, doing like as an associate, as a venture associate, just doing uh, like due diligence and like some light duty um, analyses of, of clean tech companies. Like ventures? Yeah, startups? It, it, was, yeah. It, was a, it was a small venture fund, yeah. um, like very early stage stuff. Um, and yeah, like that was neat though. I got like to do a, to help out some thin film uh, cat tail companies that were that were growing up in the valley at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and and got a like a like a really broad perspective of like what people are working on in different pieces of the energy market. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Cool. And then and you were there for like while you were at Stanford. While or I was at, while I was yeah. at Stanford. Okay. Yeah, for like the pretty much the full like after my first quarter um, mm -hmm. at Stanford, I got this internship mm -hmm. that turned into like a like a more formal role. Um, and yeah. And then you stayed on there after? Or? No, because I found I started my company while I was in grad school. Oh, okay. Um, so tell us about the company. Yeah, like uh, so that started. It was it was really just like a, a buddy of mine in grad school who wanted to, who I met. He wasn't in my program, but he was like a neighbor, a uh, cool guy, like an Oxford PhD and, uh, shoot, some chemical engineering. Okay. Um, so like much smarter than me, and he was at Stanford, I think, for the management science and engineering program. Um, he wanted to take this class in the D school, uh, in the design the D school on yep. campus. Yeah. Um, well known called called Launchpad. Okay. And it was right, it was it was kind of this buzzy thing. It was only for grad students. You had to apply beforehand with an idea to get in. They were pretty selective. Um or, or so it was like marketed. Um really they were just looking for people who were kind of gung ho and batty about starting companies. Okay. Um and and the the premise of of the launchpad company, which which we got into was um like really trying to compress the experience of a startup over the first two years into eight weeks. Right, like how can you, how can you show like the growth of, of what a startup, what like usual startups experience? Yeah. Um, how can you compress that down into the, like a like a single quarter? Um, wow, that's and, pretty audacious. Yeah, and yeah. and but there were like real companies, and so like at the right, it was, it was it was, two two professors in the D school, um, they, and yeah, they like cracked the whips every week was like the first so the way we got in was you met with the teachers like a month before and then they say okay cool next week bring a prototype um and we wanted to build this um this thing that could charge a phone from uh like a cooking fire hmm. um that was our idea was like hey let's use thermoelectrics um why i don't know because we haven't seen one of those and it's the neat thing um like let's just let's just let's try 
Yeah. And so and theoretically, there's there's like some high energy density in the yeah, the like flame. Exactly. There's right? it's so. a greater energy. So everybody was like, what we learned like every bit. The question we always got was like, what was it? What's the efficiency of your thermoelectric? And it's like yeah, two percent. But that's not what matters. It's like how much energy is is in a you know a a unit of fire. Right. Um, and it's it's dramatically higher than in a unit of sun. Um, so even though our conversion efficiency was two percent versus like twenty or twenty four or whatever for like the best solar right. cells. Um, we were just dealing with more concentrated energy. Right. Um, and and then like the, right, so initially we wanted to, we said, oh, we went in to pitch this thing of like, okay, we want to charge our phones from toasters. And right, all the other companies were software, right? It was Stanford. <laughs> and the, 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 I, think, I think the teachers thought we were crazy. Um, and, and then they said, okay, build a prototype and bring it in next week. Um, and we had never seen a thermoelectric. Um, like, <laughs> so we just went out and like I went to Ace Hardware and bought a, like a barbecue starter and I cut up a wetsuit and wrapped it around for thermal insulation between inside and outside. Um, wired up some some um, thermoelectric modules and uh, like brought in this Frankenstein thing, like slammed it on the table a week later. Um, and they're like, "All right, you're in." And and then we did the program. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, that sounds amazing. The, like, if this, if my original co-founder, I won't name him, if he's listening, he like the week, um, I think it was two weeks before we ended. He uh, he came to my house and he's like, "Yeah, like you're one of the worst human beings I've ever met. We have totally different value streams, and you'll never make money off of this." And, <laughs> and like I'll never forget it. And I was like, "Man, I have no idea what I said to this guy." Right. Um, it was probably something really bad to to elicit that kind of response. But like, so that's something like for years, like even like even whatever, like it's five years now, six years now, and like I still like I, I like lose sleep over that oh, because like like right, you you get so excited in like in the Silicon Valley, right? It's, yeah. It's energy. It's go 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 go. Um, but that's not uncommon. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, because there's two issues. Number one is um, that it's it's a very high intensity environment, high stakes relationship. And number two is some people just like they, they don't have that chemistry. And, yeah. and I always say I, I always think back. So I was a solo founder with my company, mm. but um, which I wouldn't recommend either. No. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I strongly feel that uh, being being co-founders kind of like being married. And I mean, you can't marry anybody, right? It's got to be like this magical chemistry, yeah. um, and and if it isn't, then it can it can be like a bad marriage where where it you know goes up in flames. Yeah. So, so I don't think it's it's that uncommon. Yeah. No. It, yeah. It's. I agree. Um, it's like still though, right? There's. I'm, I get I'm it. a sensitive man. Yeah. No. I, of I have I, I have it. feelings, <laughs> um, and no, and like I really like the guy, and I just. Like I, I, I still like, but yeah, right. My experience over the last couple of years, like whatever, I was with my startup for five years. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Most of my experiences are really positive. There's a couple in there where it's like, yeah, yeah. just the, the reality of operating a startup. Like sometimes you don't make friends with everybody. Of course. And yeah. And kind and, of a bummer, but. And so then you took it forward. And, so I took and, it forward, okay. brought on, brought on like another co-founder. Okay. Um, and yeah, like we ran it, um, it was pretty exciting, right? Like we just started my garage, like with all, like, I think our seed, our first seed round was, um, 
five thousand dollars. Um, right? This is this is very like a very like a very naive, amazing time. Yeah. Um, five thousand dollars, and I think I put in like four thousand of my student loan money to, to like fund stuff. And we yeah. were like we were still in grad school at the time, um, but then we won. Like I think it was fifteen thousand at a business plan competition, and we were like, "Ooh!" <laughs> um, and then we got into Stanford's uh, business incubator, yeah. And we said, "Ah!" Yeah. And then, and then, like, then, like the the fairy dust of like I call it like the magic dust of Stanford like kicked in a little bit, and we were able to raise um, a seed round like pretty, like re- like pretty good because I think we, we got a really compelling message mm-hmm. um, around, right? It was, it was still charging charging mobile phones. And, and the main application is, is for like disaster? No, so, so like it was it was emerging markets. Oh, um, emerging markets, and we, and, okay, right? yeah. and, we, and we got in at like a pretty cool time when um, like it was, it was, yeah. It, it, there was just, right, billion people have phones and like none of them have electricity. Yeah. It's like right. how, do you, how do you solve that problem? Well, you can do it with solar battery systems. You can do it with gravitational systems. You can do it with run of water systems. Um, none of these things are like an on-off switch. Um, right. Like they're all kind of dependent on, um, except for the gravity one. I think that one is interesting, but that has moving parts. Yeah, that right? one's kind of like, I, I went to Africa for my, my sister did Peace Corps, and I was in the middle of Niger with her in a village for a couple months. Um, I, don't, I don't, yeah, way back when. Um, that was cool. So emerging markets, so, just giant markets. Yeah, right. Uh, at, you know, you, and compelling use case. So, so we ran with that. Our first product, like we launched in the U.S., went nationwide in REI uh, with our first product, and then started wow. selling internationally. Yeah, that was wow, that was a that's trip. Cool. Um, it's like my uh, favorite store. <laughs> yeah. No, and like that was one one of my favorite stories. Is like that was so the most exciting one of the most exciting moments of like like my professional life was also like simultaneously the most like terrifying moment was walking into REI and seeing our product on a shelf. Um, and, and, and you walk in and you're like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There it is. And you see it on a wall and like, it's like rainbows and sunshine are pouring into your brain. And then your field of view opens up to the 20 other products like surrounding it on the wall. And then you go, uh, and then, and then you step back, and there's 200 products in your field of view in a store of like 10,000 SKUs. Yeah. And and to me, that was that was like my, like my first big like oh shit moments as a founder. Of yeah. Like, I like I really don't know what to do right now. I know this is a big problem because no one knows what this technology is. Like. Yeah. Like and I don't know. Like I we we hadn't raised you know like a lot of money. We had a couple hundred k. Um, when we got into, when we got, when we, again, like nationwide in REI off the bat. Wow. Um, and immediately it was like, oh, sh- like crap, we need to become a marketing company. Yeah. Um, and right, if I were to go back in time, um, I would have done, I wouldn't have done a consumer uh, startup. Um, I, I'm not that Just, guy. Okay. And like, yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not that founder. Just because you have to be like, a PR yeah, ninja. That, like, that, is that why? That's kind of yeah. Like you, yep, you totally. need to be a PR ninja. Like our business, like our business plan, our fundraising strategy. None of it was based on um, like supporting a product nationwide in yeah. a retail setting. That's amazing. Um, like yeah. that, I didn't have any of that background. My co-founder was this like introspective, you know, energy geek, kind of like me. Right. Um, right. And and so what what happened to that? that other market you were you were going after so the emerging market the emerging markets. yeah like it's we 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 got some uh 
traction. Like we, we, we distributed a couple, like a, I think a couple thousand um, in Africa and India. Um, and we, but we kept, we kept running into this, the same problem of like the, the cost of our system needed to be radically low. Right, um, right. Right. And to, and, and to sell to the base of the pyramid. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like in, in, even though, even though like in, in my universe, you know, you always think about dollar per watt, dollar per, per watt hour, that mm. type of stuff. And you, you can, you can make a case as like, look, this is the cheapest way to charge a phone in the world. Yeah. Um, people still want to pay like $5 for it, $10. And you're like, but, and then my message is like, well, I have this, I have this three watt charger. Um, I want to sell it at $20 a watt, right? Like that's $7 a, a watt. Yeah. Or no, I want to sell it for $20 a unit. That's $7 a watt-ish, like six eighty. Yeah. Like for me to accomplish that, I need to make it for less than, for like $2 a watt, yeah. um, which we were like at. And that's that's comparable with utility scale, like CapEx costs. Right. And as soon as you oh. start looking at that, you're like, this is really hard. This is hard stuff, yeah, yeah. and my margins are garbage. Right. Um, because right. because I need to sell it to the guy who's going to distribute it for whatever. If right. I can make it for ten, I need to sell it to him for twelve, and then he needs to pay the importers, and they need yeah. to pay this guy. Yeah, right. And right. then at the end of the day, like nobody makes money. Yeah. Um, or or other people make money except us. Um, no. And so that's when we started looking at, you know, mobile payments, and we got into oranges incubator and we we started moving more aggressively and through like telecom channels met with the team at safaricom and talked about piggybacking on their what was it m m pesa is the payment platform right they were doing m copa mm. with with the financing the solar systems gotcha. and a lot of companies started springing up around that um but then we then like we put on our thinking hats and said like well like what's the real value of being able to communicate with these devices like is it just financing or are there, is there other services you can provide mm. um, and so then we started doing a pivot into like using um, like collecting the data and running machine learning to automate operations and maintenance hmm. um, protocols for distributed energy systems um, ran with that for a couple of years um, realized it was a really hard expensive problem yeah um, the the emerging markets. Um, aspect I, is, is tough. Um, sure. I, I did some work with uh, an organization called Engineers Without Borders mm -hmm. while I was in Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, living in Denver, and uh, we, we did all this amazing work on this portable water system, potable water system uh, in uh, the Andes Mountains of Ecuador. And but and and we the the organization is fantastic. They they figured out you know how to from an engineering perspective how to get this water to the community and then also did an, a wonderful job of training the community and how to build these tanks and lay these pipes themselves and and uh, it, but the the tough the toughest part was actually on the financing in that mm. they in order to make it sustainable uh, your average uh, person in this town had to pay like 10x what they normally paid for as like a utility bill and uh, that was just a really tough thing to communicate and for them to accept. I mean, just even for us, like imagine if someone said to you tomorrow, like oh, your, your utility bill from PG&E has to be 10X um, next week. You'd, you'd, you'd say, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't need whatever they're, at. they're offering that bad. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm making, making it work the way it is. Um, and they just, they didn't have a lot of money. A lot of their money came from the government. A lot of their money came from uh, selling uh, agricultural products at the like market where they had to like drive like two hours to get to anyway. So they just didn't have a lot of disposable income to spend on things, even if they really needed them. Yeah. So totally identify with, yeah. with that problem. 
So you, so you ran this company for, for how many years? Like five. Five years. Yeah. Okay. And then so and then what happened? And then um, and then how did you get involved with Comet? Is was that the so the so I, I mentioned my second co-founder, um, Adam. He uh, he. Um, he, so Adam started going on all these manufacturing trips. Um, I'm going to throw you under the bus, Adam, um, <laughs> in China as we were ramping. Um, and on one of his manufacturing trips, um, like to Shenzhen, yeah. uh, he, he met a group of dudes who were thinking about starting a, a really cool new fund uh, focused on AI, machine learning, and robotics mm-hmm. um, called Comet Labs. And uh, he... Yeah, he walked into the office after that trip. He goes, "Yeah, we need to talk." And I said, "What about?" He said, well, I think it's time. It's time we part ways. And I said, and "I think I, I said a lot of things that I can't repeat." Um, <laughs> and then I didn't talk to him for about a year. Uh, and then we started running with each other. Um, and then when I was when I was um, uh, moving on from from Stower, um, I went running with him. And I was like, "Hey, dude, uh, how you guys doing?" What are you doing? Like, I'd love to work with you again. He goes, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> um, and so, so that's that's how that's a, that's actually how I started working with with Comet. Oh wow! Um, was was Adam was my was my co-founder, my second co-founder. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and just I just really like I really liked what they were doing here. Yeah. Um, not, you know, yeah, we were building some like machine learning tools. Uh, I was right. My my passion is like sustainability and energy. Right. Um, but. Uh, I also I also recognize through my work at at Stower um, and a lot of the partnerships that we were doing with these larger like industrial partners, um, uh, the the value of of like an entity that yes invests um, in startups like right. like what Comet does, but a, like half of what we do is, is just like an educational bridge between uh, like corporate entities. Um, in, in different industry verticals and, and finding out a way to like facilitate the conversation uh, with start with the startup community mm-hmm. uh, both on like like right when you, um, so so yeah we had this deal with Whirlpool um, with my startup um, with Stower yeah with Stower yeah. so in Whirlpool we, we signed this big deal to like to, to try to launch our like some larger systems in India um, and uh, that the conversations there, like it was very much like we were on different, we were speaking a different language, mm-hmm. um, right? Between like like startup language and corporate language. Yeah, very common um, disconnect, right? right? And a lot of the disconnect is, is actually on like expectations around like the partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, like like what is the best structure for a part, like for a corporate startup partnership to, to, to be able for where both sides can be successful. Right. Um, and that's something that I like, you know, I was hitting my head against like a, a wall for, for a while with them. Um, but also something that I started like just getting more passionate about um, in the ecosystem, and also realizing that with with IoT and with machine learning technologies, it's not it's not going to be like platform technologies coming. It's not going to be like a new agriculture producer who's just using uh, new technology is going to wipe out all the others. It's no no no. It's going to be the the leaders are going to adopt these technologies. Um, and, and that's how that's how these these industries are going to be transformed with with these types of technologies. Mm-hmm. So like there is there's a huge need for for like I think a founder focused group to 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 facilitate those communications and like the learning and the evolution of of 
introductions, growing into pilots, growing into commercial arrangements. Right. Um, so, you, so you have these relationships with all these giant companies. Yeah. Um, and, and can you talk about uh, the, the types of industries as well as like the types of the, the, the types of engagement you have with these companies yeah it's, um, it's not it's not super formal right no it, it's 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 not super formal um, the industries the industries really like we're kind of industry agnostic right. just so long as it makes sense for these technologies to work in that industry um, so like we, we talk a lot with I mean we have a lot of telecom partners mm-hmm. um, again through our relationship with orange um, but also they do a lot of work it's with smart cities mm-hmm. um, and talking with governments and there's Right. There's tons of interest from from government entities mm-hmm. um, in the space. Automotive is a big one, mm-hmm. um, right? Because of autonomous driving, um, more tr- like more like manufacturing based industries. Uh, you know, definitely logistics and warehousing, um, uh, agriculture. Uh, mine is energy, which is which is still like a little a little weird about like where where is the right where is the right place for these types of technologies in the energy ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think there's some like cool transformations happening like you and I talked about with electric drive like electric cars yeah um, and, and the growth of that uh, right even though it's still really early and the penetration of these cars like is, is so low that it's not like there's not really a lot of problem today um, uh, around like how do you how do you power a fleet of electric cars but the, but yeah as, as that adoption increases I think the infrastructure needs um, behind electric vehicle charging is gonna be like overwhelming um, so like that, that's part of what we do is like identify future trends. Right. Um, and, uh, and how can these technology sets like be a best, fit, like be a best fit solution for, for helping, uh, societies cope with those trends. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on the EV side, as you start to think about, uh, you, you reaching a tipping point where it becomes economically irrational to, and, and maybe maybe just kind of culturally irrational to buy an internal combustion engine. Yeah. And when that happens, it's going to be a, a waterfall of, yeah. of uh, electric vehicle sales. And, no, no, uh, like, right, the utilities are not prepared. For no, that. and there's I a mean, lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of government um, activity too in this space of saying, yeah. you know, thou shalt not build con- internal combustion engines. And by this date, yeah. Yeah. Like, you're the, you have to have this, percentage of electric vehicles in your fleets that's happening more um, and more and it's happening more and more and, and now even oems are, are making announcements saying we're gonna stop yep. we're gonna be all electric was it was, was it volvo that yeah said that? i don't know yeah yeah everybody's going batty yeah. um over electric cars uh but but right it, it it is it's interesting so so our parent at comet um is, is a company called legend star mm-hmm. um which is a uh, one, one of the biggest and oldest uh venture funds in china mm-hmm. um and like the, the the they are driving the, this market mm-hmm. uh, like the 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 manufacture of electric vehicles the, the deployment of electric vehicles both like for personal use but also bus fleets mm-hmm. like Shenzhen deployment like switching out their whole fleet of buses to be 100% electric um, like whether or not it like it actually happens and becomes a reality but the stated timelines of what they're doing like it's super aggressive yeah um, and like they 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 are going very hard on electric cars because right. because it solves like a couple like higher level problems for for China like pollution like air pollution you know access to 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 gas like just gasoline right oh, the, those sure. supplies over the future like those are unpredictable strategically yeah right and geopolitically exactly difficult. like yeah the one of the things that 
um, like I talk a lot about with with my friends and just more like thought exercises is like I, I phrase it like how do you how do you how can you deploy these technologies to like what can you do with these technologies to make hyper massive population centers sustainable mm-hmm. and and by that it's like when you know in the, in the US um, like you have you, you have a couple large population centers um, but it's it like it almost pales in comparison to the size of these like urban areas in 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 Asia, right? Um, and like, what what does a sustainable look like? What does a sustainable look solution look like for these places and in all these industries, right? Right, and, and like getting people and goods from one place to another, um, feeding them, getting them water. Like, what? How can technology like help make these things sustainable? Absolutely. Um, so so you can like maintain, if not improve, the quality of life. Um, in the in these areas, and that's yeah, that's what you do. That's that's what I do <laughs> every day. Every day. Um, so so tell me about how you how you invest. Like what stage? How, how and what do you look for? Yeah. So so Comet Labs. Um, we're we're seed and early stage. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, like over the first couple of years of our, we're only we've only been investing for like two and a half years. Okay. Um, over the first. Uh, period of our existence it was we did 40 investments like really fast and they were they were relatively small checks but again like seed seed stage mm-hmm. um, uh, the our check sizes have gotten larger and the the traction that we're looking for is is getting more advanced mm-hmm. um, as we make investments mm-hmm. um, right? it's just it's just kind of evolving uh, like as our as our fund grows um, we're also we're also starting to reinvest in companies um, in our portfolio which which is exciting and yeah. Can you tell us about some of your recent investments? Um, some of your portfolio companies? Sure. Um, recently, uh, so we so we were excited about Lightform, um, which is a company that we invested in uh, last year. Um, they, what, do, what do they do? I actually don't know if I can talk about them. Okay. Um, is there I, one that's more public you can talk about? <laughs> Um, are they all in stealth? If they are, that's okay. Well, I mean, like a lot of like, I'm, I'm always hesitant to talk about like what they actually do um, okay. in a public setting. I guess, I guess the one that I'm, the one that I really like is a company called Arch, mm-hmm. um, and they just do uh, a lot of um, edge analytics and operations and maintenance, um, like automation mm-hmm. uh, for for more traditional uh, manufacturing floors. Okay. Um, so like really making like, you know, the example that they give that I really like is making like an old, like 40 year old sewing machine smart, um, by, by, you know, having a little bit of IOT in there, but a lot of, uh, analytics and, uh, processing capabilities. Um, so that's a, that's a company that I really like. Um, and, and, and so really what we look for in teams, um, again, like I'm, I'm pretty passionate. Well, I, I really like founding teams that are complementary. Um, right, it, like mm. you said, like solo founders, like eh. yeah. Um, I, right, having somebody with a really like really clear vision about what the company ought to be, right. and like it's almost like more of like a product guy, and then a hardcore awesome technologist. Mm. Like those are those are the teams that like like a technology visionary mm-hmm. and like a like 10x engineer. Like those are the teams of of founders that like really resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, be, and again, because you're going into these industry vertical, like you're going into industries, in, like traditional industries. So having somebody who understands those industries and like the real pain point in them, yeah, um, 
is, is valuable. Knows how to speak the language. Yeah, right. Another another one that we invested in that, that's kind of like that is a, is a company called Abundant Robotics. Mm. And um, they're, they're an apple picking robot. Um, <laughs> The, the the founder is this this amazing technologist, and he was actually solo for a while, mm. um, and he and he I think he was at SRI Stanford Research Institute um, I think um, just for a couple of years just exploring the market mm. he, like a genius robot guy, um, and and then he like he discovered this need in in apple harvesting, um, and and why like the combination of of robotics and vision and all kinds of the, the, all these AI tools, um, like where in the market it can be of value, um, and then and then he and then he brought on this like just rock star team of, of like co-founders, CEO, and all these other people to like support him and just grow. Um, and, and they're they're doing really really well. Um, just pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I love pr- uh, <clears throat> problem focused companies as opposed to like technology. First focus companies, yeah, right? If, for sure. If you if you have a key insight on, hey, there's a big problem here, and here's how you quantify it, and here's what's missing. Yeah. And then you build a technology piece that's uh, from other types of technologies from other industries. Like that's that's pretty yep. compelling. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, Exciting. I, I mean, it's 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 an interesting portfolio. Um, and yeah, like I, I I'm psyched with the like getting to know the the founders. Yeah. Right. Have, being a founder myself. Um, right. Like. You know, I, I like to think of myself as like I, like I'm the grittiest warrior on the planet um, when it comes to founders. <laughs> like I like I feel like I got my butt kicked uh, for for a good like five like not not five years three years. The first two years were awesome. The next three were like a wrestling match. Like, like gloves off, dip your fists in glass and glue, <laughs> slugfest. Um, right, that's what happens with hardware. Yeah, um, but yeah, like getting to know the founders um, and just just. Right, like now, like my job is, I, like I love what I do um, because I get to meet a lot of really awesome people, mm. um, and and then I get to help them, like make decisions that that like collectively we, we think are gonna like give them a better opportunity for success. Right. Um, without without needing to do all the work, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and worrying about all the stuff that that founders need to worry about uh, when it gets real. Yeah. Um, Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks for telling us about Comet Labs. This is uh, this is a really inspiring space, and I've, you know, taken a peek at your portfolio, and I think it's it's super exciting. So, uh, so now, now we'll just go into a few kind of quick fire questions. Okay. Uh, for you, uh, so j- just what do you what do you like to do for fun? Um, You're like fun. What's fun? <laughs> well, I have two. I have a one and a half year old and a half year old. Yeah. Um, so I guess now it's like sleep, sleep. when I can. Like I think that's pretty fun. No, I, I'm a big runner. Um, yeah. Like I still I live over in Pacifica and I'm on the trails a lot. Oh, you um, live in Pacifica? I do. You, how and you drive up here? Okay. Half hour commute. It's not bad. No, it's not. Okay. I, I I do a half and half. I drive and then bike. Um, okay. But like, yeah. I mean that's 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 my idea of fun right now. Yeah. Is is sleeping while the sleeping's good. I hear you. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Like I used to be big into marathons. Um, run like trail running, uh, but yeah, I'm just I'm, I don't know. Next question. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so what? <laughs> fair enough. <clears throat> I I completely identify. Um, uh, next question would be, uh, what do you believe that other people don't believe? What do I believe that other people don't believe? Yeah. What do you what What do you believe that's 
an unpopular opinion? What's your most unpopular opinion? Whether it's professional or personal. Hmm. That that's a good question. Um, <laughs> it's a tough I, one. I, I I think I know like so again like with my with my background yeah. I, I think I I don't know if, like what do I believe that other people don't but I definitely like I I I I believe in I believe in me um, when other people may not always believe in me mm. um, and that's I I think that is something that has like always drives me mm-hmm. um, to, to just right Like don't be afraid to try new things. Um, and like, even if you like mess up and you're horrible at it the first time, like just, just having the belief that like, yeah, but, but I'll learn and do better the next time and better and better and better. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's something that like I've always, I've always had. And like, I don't know, I guess that's, would be my answer. Is that innate or, or is that, I mean, is that partially from the fact that you've done so many different types of things? And yeah, I think it's genetic, man. Like, yeah. I think, I think genetically I'm predisposed to try weird stuff um, and keep trying, like, again, like kind of being fearless yeah. um, as you go into things, yeah. um, right? Like being able to, yeah. That's right. When, just, I, when I asked you to do this podcast, you were just like, yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. Do, let's <laughs> do it. Yeah. We want to, yeah. Of course, you've already been on TV and done a lot of crazy things. I'm so famous. This is, this is easy. I'm famous. Um, next one is if we're, we're, we're looking at a nice skyline here of San Francisco. If you could put a billboard in the middle of San Francisco, <laughs> I'm stealing this question from Tim Ferriss, but if you could put the billboard in the middle of San Francisco and, and say have it say anything you wanted, what would you say? Oh, no, I actually I actually... Like, did you think I was asking a different question? No. But okay. So, like, I know what I'd want to talk about. I don't know what would be on okay. the billboard, but, like, I'd want to talk about love. Okay. Like, that's one thing that, again, it's like you get so caught up in the valley of, like, uh, of, like, speed and, like, you know, money. I'm a, I'm a venture capitalist. Yeah. My, my <laughs> mother is rolling around in Arizona saying, oh, no. Um... <laughs> Why aren't you a doctor? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and right, and all my like, yeah, everybody's like, why are you working in venture? Um, because it's right, it is a, it's a competitive, fast-moving space. Right. Um, but like, you just lose sight of of like the things that are like really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, so I guess my billboard that I want up is like, right, it's very hippie. It's like look like. Let's let's talk about love. Love each other. I don't know, or just like a like a big heart, with, <laughs> like with uh, wearing cowboy boots and like with a burrito in one hand. I don't know. I'm thinking of all the things I love, and like, <laughs> and my daughter and son in the other, and just being like, yeah, thumbs up. Cool. Um, that's cool. Right. Like that, that's that's something that like I I really like. I want to I want to explore more. Right. And I think I think part of it comes from like startup experience in the consumer space. Yeah. Right. Like the, the, and that's, oh God, my life is all startups. <laughs> uh, uh, but, that's, uh, that's, but right. That's like what, what people really resonate with. Yeah. Like on, on like a, like a public perception is like, it, I believe it's like, it's when you fall in love with something. Right. Like those, those are the things that are successful. Like those are the things that, that matter. All right. And it's not so much the technology and, um, like what it does and how it does it. It's like it's like how does how how do how do new technologies resonate with people like and again that's more of a, like a consumer facing thing. Gotcha. Um, but like this like really basic 
like emotion of, of like, I love this. Yeah. Um, and like expanding that outward to like, yeah, just like, yeah, a heart and some mountains. It's beautiful. Uh, like get outside. It's a, a beautiful. It's a beautiful vision. We're in San, for, San Francisco. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's be- way better than I was expecting. That's, I don't know. That's what would your good. billboard say? You know, I'm glad you asked me because uh, I haven't thought about it. So I'm gonna think on my feet. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I've been really into uh, mindfulness recently and like meditation and and just you know five minutes a day of just closing my eyes and breathing. And I have always been super skeptical of meditation because it always sounded too hippy-dippy. And uh, and I always kind of had this idea that like, well, my mind's too active for, for meditation. I can't like clear my head. And the more I learn about it, the more I learn that actually everybody has that experience who tries to meditate and it's completely normal and it's, uh, and if you can get past that and just do it, it, it can actually uh, help in terms of managing your emotions. And my new, um, my new mantra, not, not, not a real mantra, but the thing I think about is, is respond, don't react. Uh, and with kids, as you know, yeah. they can drive you crazy. Yeah. Um, oh, I react. But, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to <laughs> like catch my first reaction, acknowledge my uh, emotion, and then and then respond the way I, I want to respond, not the way I just gut respond. Yeah. The other thing uh, that comes to mind is it kind of kind of related to a lot of things I've done, but also related to starting this podcast is uh, a, a quote I heard recently that's like courage begets courage. Yeah. So the more you try new things, like you were just talking about, or put yourself out there, or do something new, the easier it is to do the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing, and it really just um, it really just kind of builds. And so I think courage begets courage is yeah. another thing I would think about. Cool. Yeah. That's a good uh, billboard. Thank you. Thank you. That That's a better one than my first one. Yeah. Uh, so last thing about you is like where, I don't know if you want people to find you, but where can people find you? <laughs> where can people find you? Where can people find uh, Comet Labs if they want to get in touch? Yeah. I mean, like our, you can find us on our website, comedylabs.io. Um, no, like we're, we're in, we're in the Bay area. Like we're, we're pretty active social media, stuff like that. Yeah. Like we, we have a, you can, you can sign up for our blog, um, in our newsletter. We have, we have a rocket newsletter. Oh yeah. Yeah. Our head of marketing, Derek is actually a pretty like cool genius. Um, and he's put together, together a cool like monthly newsletter that just talks about like trends and topics and, and, like AI yeah. um, in the robotic space, like some of our activities and investments. Um, and like I'm starting a new, a new thing called Why We Invest mm. um, that just like summarizes uh, like our, like why we do an investment cool. um, once we do it. And um, right, it's me, I'm a creative writer. So <laughs> Derek edits my, my, my writings a lot. Nice. Um, but yeah, like that, that, I think that's a, cool way to like keep updated on what we're doing yeah, and what we're up. looking at. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's about it. Cool. We, we're, we're at exactly an hour almost. So. Bam. Perfect. Excellent. So thanks for uh, being on the podcast. Yeah. Well, sorry if we got off track. No, um, it's, that's the point. That's we, right. we want to get off track. It was we, fun. We, we don't want to be on track. Cool. All right. Thanks. All right. And thanks for everybody for listening. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Epic Human Podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever app you happen to be using. And if you want to keep up to date on the latest Epic Human Podcast, please follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Epic Human Pod. And if you have any ideas for guests or feedback on the show, please reach out. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.